koinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is koinonia. This is community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Welcome to Koinonia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I am Pastor Day, filling in for Tom today. I pastor Standing Stones Community Church up in Northeast Phoenix. Also have a show here, right here on Faith Talk 1360 on Saturdays at 1.30 called Interpreting the Times. Well, Tom is not here with us today. He's been following the show this week. You know that he is over in Israel Tom is spending time in the Holy Land. He's on a, on a tour over there. So we, I want to take some time today and just really talk about Israel, because to be over there, many people look at, at that trip as a dream trip, but it's, it's, it's a trip that will change your life if you, if you really understand the importance of the sights you're seeing and, and why we go see the places that we go see. So I know Tom's itinerary is, is kind of you know, sporadic, and, and he's got a couple of buses over there, but I've been leading groups over there myself since 2005. Um, it's a wonderful time over there. There's so much to do. You wish you had, you know, six months that you could spend there. I think if I ever had a sabbatical of six weeks or more, I would just kind of take my family and go over there and spend some time walking through Galilee and the Sea area and down in Jerusalem and just really enjoying some of the sights. Because when you put together a trip like this, you know, you, you go pretty quickly and um, I am planning another trip to go over there in March. In fact, I will be celebrating Easter over in the Holy Land. So if you've never been to Israel, if you're not on this trip with Tom, let me encourage you to check out Interpreting the Times, and uh, you're welcome to come, out, come with me over there and just enjoy celebrating uh, Easter. I mean, how great would it be to have Good Friday and Easter service in Jerusalem, in the Holy Land itself? You know, when you look at the, the Bible, when you open up the New Testament, you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, obviously. You have the four Gospels. Well, I've heard it said before that the fifth Gospel is the land of Israel itself. And I tend to believe that because for years before I got there, before, before I even stepped foot in, in Israel, for years I studied it. And, and I, I looked at the maps and I read the scriptures. But until you actually walk the sites, the land just allows things to come alive. When you read about the Christmas story, we're not far from, from Christmas being here. It's right around the corner. And we talk about Joseph and Mary coming from, from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. Well, you read that in the pages, but when you're over there and you see the distance, and you understand the path they took, and then you think, you know, back in those days, that would have been a woman who was close to giving birth. You know, she's nine months pregnant, and she's more than likely riding a donkey. And, and, and the 90-plus miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem in those conditions, it's a pretty amazing to kind of see and understand that. So the Bible just comes alive. And for today's show, I kind of want to just walk through some of the sites that Tom is at and some of the sites that we will be at over uh, next March when we're over there. You know, what places do you see when you go to Israel? And why are those places chosen? That's always the toughest part for me. Uh, typically, you're there about 10 days. Um, I, Tom will be back next week. He left last Friday. And you, you got to ask yourself, you know, what places do we see and which ones do we not? Uh, you, can do, you can schedule a time over there to do some digging, to do some archaeological digging. There's, there's t you can do that with some groups over there. Uh, there's a Holocaust Museum, which is a, an amazing site to be at. Uh, you have the Golan Heights, which has military history, and when you get to the top of the Golan Heights, you can see Damascus just a few feet away. 
So there's a lot to see and a lot to do, but it's a matter of really understanding why we're seeing what we're seeing. So, hey, you're listening to Coenia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Pastor Dave, filling in for Tom Brown. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Welcome back to Cohen on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Pastor Dave, filling in for Tom Brown. And today we're talking about Israel because Tom is right now on a tour over in the Holy Land. So we're kind of talking about what kind of places do you see when you're over there and, and why are those spots chosen for a tour? You know, when you first land in Israel, you are just so excited to be in the Holy Land. You're just, you can't wait to get going. You can't wait to start seeing something. And when you land at the airport there in Tel Aviv, the first stop that you really stop in is a place called Joppa. It's, it's right there just north of the airport. So you, you know, you get into customs, you grab your luggage, you hop on the, the bus, and you, and you head north a little bit to this, this old place called Joppa. Joppa is, is, was the original port. When you looked at David and Solomon and when the temples were being built, uh, this is where the cedars came in from Lebanon, you know, the, the wood and the materials for the, for the temple. They would come in uh, down the Mediterranean into Joppa, and, and then from there they would be transported over to Jerusalem. So th- this was the main port. This is where Peter was on top of the rooftop when, when God gave him the vision and told him to go up to Caesarea. Uh, but Joppa is also where Jonah was. And when people land here, I kind of like to take a few moments, and, and there's several places, well, there's many places, actually, where I just like to do some teaching time and, and just really say, let's really understand where you're at. So we are standing at the port in Joppa, and you're looking out at the Mediterranean Sea. We bring up the, 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 the story of Jonah. Now, everybody, when you hear Jonah, you understand that, you know, you think of Jonah and the whale being swallowed by the whale and so on and so forth. But after that happens, in Jonah chapter 2, he's inside the big fish, and he begins to pray. From inside the fish, he prays the Lord his God in, in Jonah chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. And, and what I like to, people to understand is you're standing there in the same place that he was, you know, many years ago, looking out the sea, the same sea that, that he was in. Understand that the prayers that he started to pray were the Psalms. If you go through uh, his, his, his time inside the, the belly of the fish and he begins to pray the Lord, He's praying 16 different psalms, and I have a handout that I have people. We read the the second chapter of Jonah there, standing there in Joppa, and then we look at the prayer time. So the lesson that you learn there is when you're in when you're in a time to where you really need to trust God, or you're seeking God, or even spending time just in prayer with the Lord. I mean, Jonah didn't have a, a Bible with him. You know, he didn't have candlelight down there. He's inside of the, of the fish. He had these psalms memorized. And, and I compare, I, I give you the psalms, Psalms 18 and 120 and 86 and so on and so forth. There's 16 different psalms that's bits and pieces to it. So as he's praying, he's, he's memorizing the psalms and he's praying them inside the fish. And that, that kind of begins your time in the Holy Land saying, that's what we need to learn. We need to be depending upon God's word 
but we need to have it inside of us. As he was inside the fish, we need to have God's Word inside of us. And then from there, you, you head up north a little bit. You see, the first day that you're in Israel, you, you want to say, okay, where was Jesus? And, and, and I want to be where Jesus walked, and I want to be where Jesus touched, and where he talked, and where he taught, and everything he did. I want to be there. He, he really wasn't in the, in the southern part of, uh, of the Mediterranean side. He wasn't on the coast side. When he was up in the Galilee region, uh, Herod Antipas did ask Jesus to come down towards Tel Aviv, to come down towards Tiberias and, and come down towards this area, but, but he wouldn't do it. He, he went, instead of coming to Tiberias, he went north to Lebanon because he wouldn't give Herod Antipas an audience. Uh, that Herod was the one that put John the Baptist to death. He killed him. So Jesus went north. So as we spend the first day in Israel, we're looking at Jonah and Elijah and the Apostle Paul and Peter. We're walking in their footsteps, and the trip is building to get to the footsteps of Jesus. But when you get to Caesarea, which is the, the port that Herod built, King Herod, he, he was a madman. I mean, he was paranoid, but he was a master builder as well. He didn't want to use Joppa as the main port. He wanted to create his own port. So he went a little bit north to this territory called Caesarea, and he, he built an entire city, and the theater is still there today, and, and, the, and the track where they had chariot races is still there today, and, and, and the, the, the palace that he built is there today. The aqueduct system coming from Mount Carmel is there. I mean, the building he did was just masterful, and we walk you through there, and, and you look at the theater that, that you can still sit in. I mean, some of the seats are still 2,000 years old. Many have been repaired, but still you can see the ones that are part of the original theater. And you think, was the Apostle Paul here? Was, was Peter here? I mean, this is where the first Gentile becomes a Christian. This is where Cornelius lived. And, and Peter comes up there, and Cornelius and his whole household becomes believers. So the first Gentile Christian happens right here in Caesarea. When Paul was on his missionary journeys, he, he, would, he would leave and come to the port of Caesarea. So I, I'll show you where the original port was. I mean, you can actually stand on the steps that Paul probably stood on to, to board the ships and to get off the ships because the way Herod designed the port. He had to go out and get—he had to design a, a brand-new system of, of construction. When you looked at the, the way the port was, because of the way the water came in and the, bra- and the waves break— he had to design concrete that was was stronger than normal concrete. So he imported volcanic ash from Turkey and nearby areas, and he made this concrete that didn't harden until it went underwater. So they would they would build boxes and then they would pour concrete into it with made out of ash and they would lower it down into the into the bay and it would harden and that became the the foundation. And those foundations are still there. Two thousand years later, they're still there. So Herod should have been a master builder. But as you read the stories of Paul, I mean, Paul was, was spent two years in prison in Caesarea. We walk you through that. Some of the mosaics are still there. And just to be able to touch that, this is where the Bible really begins to, to come alive, because you're seeing things that you've been reading about, but now you're actually walking through it. Uh, it's, it's an amazing time. That's what I'm saying. If you haven't been to Israel, you, you really need to make that a priority, because it will change how you read Scripture, and it will change your, your time with the Lord. So once we, we hit Joppa, we hit Caesarea, they're both on the, on the Mediterranean coast, we go up north to Mount Carmel. Now, Mount Carmel is where Elijah uh, took on the prophets of Baal. So we will take you up. There's a, there's a monastery up there. We'll go up on the roof, and you have an amazing 360-degree view of, of, of the Jezreel Valley, 
the Jezreel Valley, it both has history to it and future aspects. The, the book of Revelation talks about what's going to happen in the Jezreel Valley. So we, we will get, you know, First Kings out 18, and we will read the scriptures of Elijah as we're standing there in Mount Carmel. Now, understand that Elijah was here, the prophets of Baal, he took them on. Elijah prayed and fire came down from heaven. Well, we will we'll stand in that area. I mean, the area that we're in is 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 aromatic for fire, from a mountain on fire. That's what they call the mountainside there. So when you walk through Israel, again, this all becomes alive. So now as you're reading Samuel or Kings and you're in the Old Testament and you're reading about Elijah, you can visualize it now. You You can smell it. You can feel it. You can walk through it. And the scriptures start to become alive. So your first day in Israel, that's kind of what the day is. You do Joppa, you do Caesarea, you do Mount Carmel, and then you head over to Tiberias. And and I love to watch people's eyes just light up when you first come upon the Sea of Galilee. You know, there's some places in Israel that they say, well, it might be traditional because we don't know if this is the exact spot or not. But any place in Israel that deals with water, well, we know that's exact spot. I mean, the Sea of Galilee is still the Sea of Galilee. And when you come over the hill, uh, it, to, to, to see that for the very first time, it's just breathtaking. The, the, the two views I, I love to see is when people see the Sea of Galilee for the first time and when they come into this, the city of Jerusalem. As you come into Jerusalem, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but as you come into Jerusalem, you come through this little tunnel and you pop out of the tunnel and there the city is. Uh, you see the Dome of the Rock and you see that and eyes just light up. And the same thing happens on the Sea of Galilee. Now, you know, day one, you're exhausted, so we check into our hotel, and you try to get some sleep, which isn't hard. You're still very excited, but then you wake up early. For some reason, you always wake up early over there, and to see the sunrise on the Sea of Galilee and to go out and have some quiet time and just know that you're on the same sea that that, that Jesus did 70% of his ministry on, to know that you're on the same sea that, that he crossed over, it. you're on the same waters that, that he walked on. And it becomes just one of those times that, that you really can't explain it. You have to experience it. You know, when I talk about Israel, I say it's kind of like being married. You can talk, if you're not married, you can talk about marriage all you want, and you can, you know, kind of get pictures of what you think it's going to be like. But until you actually experience being married, you don't understand it. You know, the, the joys and the work and, and, and just the, 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 what, what marriage takes. Well, Israel's the same thing. You can look at maps and study it, but until you're there and you see it and you feel it, you really have to experience Israel. So as, as Tom is over there today and, and, and leading a group of, of people over there, I know that they're kind of experiencing that. He's been there about a week, so they're, they're probably down in the, the Jerusalem area by now. We spent about three days, uh, sometimes four in, in the Sea of Galilee area. And again, there's so many things that you could see. And what's fun about Israel, too, if you've been there before, if you were there three or four years ago, let's say, you know, somewhat recently, they, they are still digging and they're still discovering things. Um, since my last trip over there, they found the synagogue in Magdalene. Magdalene is where Mary Magdalene came from, and it's just on, on the northwest corner of the Sea of, of Galilee. Well, that, that synagogue was just found last year. So when I go over in March, that's on my agenda. I want to stop and see that synagogue. And you just kind of, as you walk in there, you just wonder, well, who's been here? Who's preached here? Who's taught here? Who's, who's worshipped here? Because you got 2,000 years of history. And they also, in the Sea of Galilee, we will spend time sailing that. We have, I, I, he's a friend now, but 
there's a man over there. I'll just give his first name. His name is Daniel, and 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 he's a sea captain basically. He was he, he was a boat captain over in Haifa. Haifa is on the the Mediterranean coast, and that's what he did for a, a job. He was a, a captain of a ship, so he would go out in the Mediterranean. He would do fishing or whatever he could do out there, whatever the charter he could get. But his family, he was adopted, and he found his real family, and his real family lived in Tiberias. Tiberias is right there on the Sea of Galilee. So he left Haifa, he left the coast, he came over and, and moved to Tiberias, and he says, what does a sea captain do when you move to Tiberias? Well, you do charters, and you take you know Christian groups from, from their hotel over to the museum that's located just in the northern part of the shore. And you always you take this first century boat, so you're in a boat that would have been kind of like what the disciples would have been in or fishermen would have used in the time of Jesus, and you cross over from your hotel to, there's a museum where they actually discovered a first century boat, and that's in there. It's a wonderful stop. But you, you go there, and in the middle of the sea, in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, you stop. And, and pastors do teachings, and you're reading scriptures. And again, it's one of those most powerful moments. And, and after eight years, Daniel got saved. He became a Christian. And his hobby is music. So he has this book, his boat. His boat is called Faith. And what he does now, he came, back, he came to America after he got saved, and, and he learned Christian worship songs. And when you understand what he did, I'll tell you what he did when he came back, but it's an amazing thing to experience. Hey, you're listening to Cohen on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Pastor Dave filling in for Tom Brown today, and we'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to Koinonia Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Pastor Dave filling in for Tom, and today we're talking about the land of Israel, the Holy Land. That is where Tom is at currently. He's leading a group over there right now. Um, I will be heading over there myself, leading a group in March. We will be spending Easter in Israel. So if you've not been to Israel, let me encourage you to, to think about that, make it a priority, because it will change how you read Scripture and I can almost guarantee it will change your relationship with the Lord because things come alive over there. Um, I have a show on Saturdays, 1.30, called Interpreting the Times. You can check out that website and find out more information about the trip, the Easter trip, over in March. Now, as we went to break, I was talking about a friend of mine named Daniel who was a boat captain. And he, he, basically, when you go over there, you, you hire a, a boat to take you from your hotel over to the, the museum. And you spend about half an hour, they take you out there, they, they, you know, they cast the, the net over so you can see what a first century fisherman is like, and they stop the boat, and pastors will, will you know, read the scriptures, Jesus walking on water, Jesus calming the storm. And Daniel heard this for eight years, and after all these Christian tours day in and day out and heard the gospel being preached, he, he became a Christian. He was saved right there in the Sea of Galilee. What a place to be saved, huh? He was saved in the Sea of Galilee, and one of his hobbies that he really enjoyed is music. So he came to America after that, after his salvation, after his experience, and he found out what the top 25 worship songs were here in America. Then he went back to Israel, and he started to learn them and practice them and record them. So I hired Daniel at night, and I asked Daniel just to take us out at night. And it's used, the way the schedule runs, it's usually about a Tuesday. So Tuesday night, we, after dinner, we, we meet him at the, at the dock, and he takes us out. And can you imagine yourself on the Sea of Galilee at night under the stars 
And then he begins to sing. He has a keyboard player there with him, and you know he just begins to sing the very popular songs that we know, and he sings them in Hebrew. He mixes them in English and Hebrew, and he just begins to worship. And it just, I, I have done this so many times, but I can tell you, I have never done it without crying. It's just, you, you just, you're just brought to tears. Now, and that's something that, that most tourists don't put in because they just don't understand who Daniel is or what he does. And we do the daytime stuff like everybody else does, but this is a special thing that we do at night. Too. So to be in the Sea of Galilee under the stars and, and just singing worship songs to our Lord, that, that's, again, it's an amazing experience. And he sings for about 45 minutes. We, we hire him for about an hour or so, and he's just a, a wonderful, a wonderful man. It just that's one of the highlights of the trips. You know, every day it seems a new highlight comes up. But So when you're, when you're in Israel in the early days, you're in the Sea of Galilee, you're in the northern part. Now, 70% of Jesus' ministry took place here. You have, you have Bethsaida, you have Chorazin, and you have Capernaum. Now, these were the three towns that Jesus cursed because they heard his teachings, they saw his miracles, and they still didn't accept him. They still rejected him. And uh, on my trips, I would take you to all three cities, all three, all three spots, and Chorazin, when Jesus cursed this town, I mean, when you walk there, it, it's still it's still black. I mean, there's nothing, nothing grew back. Once you walk into the, the main area, the only thing that still grows in Chorazin are the trees. And these trees are the trees of the crown of thorns. Now, you know, when Jesus was, was they put the crown of thorns on his head. Well, there's a tree that actually grows. And they, that's what that is. That's the only thing that grows in Chorazin. And there is a synagogue there, and it's a wonderful time to just really focus on who the Lord is. When you walk into the synagogue, the steps are uneven, and that's done on purpose because they're saying as you're coming in to worship the Lord, as you're coming in to worship God, you need to focus. So the steps are uneven. If, you just, if you're not paying attention, you, you know, crack a knee open or a shin open or something, you know, so you need to stop and watch your steps. And you be, it, it teaches you to begin to really get prepared for a time of worship. And then when you go in the synagogue, the Moses seat is still there. That's where, you know, the, the most privileged of the audience member would sit. That's where, you know, whoever is the, the, the guest of honor, that's where they would sit. And in front of the Moses seat is a little platform, and that's where the teacher would be. And, and I very humbly, when I, when I bring a group in and do a little teaching there in Chorazin, I, I, I stand there and I say humbly because there's a great possibility that's exactly where the Lord Jesus stood as he was teaching in the synagogues. If he was reading, we're not told in Scripture that he did, but we do know that he taught there because he cursed the town because they didn't receive him. And again, to experience that, to be there, to feel that, you know, it's, it's the small black rocks everywhere. And I asked people, I said, take home a rock, and Israel's fine with that, you can do that. Take home this black rock and let this be a rock that you will put on your computer or somewhere where you can see it almost every day. And let this be a rock that will remind you that we need to repent because this town didn't repent. And, and you see what it looks like today, 2000 years later, uh, you know, from there we go over to Capernaum. Capernaum, I think is, is one of my favorite places in, in the sea of Galilee. You, you just, you don't realize how much of the Bible you're walking through when you're in Capernaum. Uh, when the, the the parables that were taught in Capernaum, Jesus talked about the parable of the sower and the the parable of the weeds and the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the yeast and the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl and the parable of the net and the parable of the lost sheep. All that, all that teaching took place in Capernaum. And, and, and you had the man lower it down through the roof where they couldn't get in. So his friends load him down you know, where Jesus was teaching. That happens at Capernaum. 
You had Jesus healing the, the woman with the blood condition in Mark 5. That happens in Capernaum. You have Jesus healing the, the blind and the mute from Matthew 9. That happens in Capernaum. You have him in the synagogue there where he heals a man with a withered hand. That's Capernaum where he drives out evil spirits. You have him healing G, uh, Peter's mother-in-law. You know, that happens at Capernaum. You have him walking through the, the, uh, the grain field on the Sabbath, and they get accused of, of working on the Sabbath. That's there in Capernaum. You don't realize the miracles and the parables and the teachings that take place in Capernaum. And, and, I, and I, I enjoy walking people there, and I say, okay, before we enter, there's a little gate to get in. Before you walk the same streets that Jesus walked, again, this, this is not traditional. This is the Capernaum. This is where Jesus became Jesus' hometown. Before you walk in there, I want you to imagine a tax collector sitting out front of the gate, collecting taxes as, as travelers came, as they came either through the city or as the fishermen came in and, and they, they had you know, their, their, their nightly catch. This man named Matthew is sitting there collecting taxes. And I want you to kind of picture him. And then I want you to picture him being called by the Lord and seeing this tax collector. When Matthew got up and left that table right there in Capernaum, he left everything. There was no going back. To his Jewish you know, peers, he was a, he was a traitor. He, he, became, he was working for the Romans. And when he, when he turned his back on the Romans and, and gave up the tax table, the Romans wanted nothing to do with him. So he would have been ostracized by the Jews and the Romans. He gave everything up, and he did it to follow Jesus. And as we walk the streets of Capernaum, that's what we need to be focused on. In the synagogue, the original synagogue that Jesus was in, when a synagogue gets destroyed, if if another group comes in, if something happens in history and, and buildings are destroyed, if a synagogue is destroyed, if it's rebuilt, it's rebuilt on the same foundation. You don't move the synagogue once it's been built. So the 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 black stone of the of the synagogue that Jesus taught in in Capernaum, where the the man with the withered hand was healed, and so on and so forth, that foundation is there. Now there was there was a, a, a um, synagogue built on top of that, but you're you're in the same place. And I'll walk you through the streets, and you see with the foundations of the homes where again the man was lowered down through the roof. You see where where Jesus was questioned about fasting. You see where he talked about being the bread of life in John 6. You, you see where, where he, from there, if the shore, you can see where he walked on water. And as we take our time and walk through Capernaum, all this comes alive. And then you come home and you start reading the scriptures and you can visualize it, you can see it, you, you can almost taste it. That's what I'm saying, it changes where you're at. Uh, so we, we do Chorazin, we do Bethsaida, we do uh, Magdalene, we do Capernaum. And, and then we drive north about an hour to a place called Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi, this is where Peter confessed that Jesus was Lord. Caesarea Philippi is, is, when you look at Matthew 16 or Mark 8, it's Peter's confession of Christ. And, and I, we do, I, I, again, I gather everybody before we, we talk about the before we walk the site. And there was, Caesarea Philippi used to be called the area of Pan, P-A-N. And the god of Pan was worshipped there. And in the time of Jesus, there was a temple that was built there. And they believed that, that this temple, there's a, a, the best way to describe it is a, a little cave. At the end of the temple was a cave. And they believed that the god Pan came from, from Hades. And if you went into went too far into the cave, you would fall into Hades. This is where Peter confesses that Jesus is Lord. And I say, you know, every one of us has to make that confession that Christ is Lord. And when you look at the, 
the paganism, and when you look at, and again, some of the the artifacts are still there. The the the, uh, the worship through this this false god that was done there, and then when when Jesus says, "Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it," and I say, "This is the rock he's talking about," and you're standing in front of it, folks. It's not a rock; it's a mountain. I mean, it's 300 feet high, and it, it, it's, it's long, and so on and so forth. I mean, it's just, when, when Jesus pointed at that as an object lesson, it said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell, the gates of Hades, and you say, this is where the temple was, and they believed that the God Pan came out of Hades. It just opens up exactly what Jesus was talking about and teaching. And we, we spend some time talking about the word rock when he says that upon this rock, well, in the Old Testament— when the term rock is used, and I have a handout that I give people here as we sit around and look at this and see this firsthand, throughout the Old Testament, the word rock was never used to, to apply to describe another person. It was never applied to a human. It only represented God. From Genesis 49 to Deuteronomy to 1 Samuel to the Psalms, when the term rock is used, it always, it always referred to God. For their rock is not like our rock. You know, he will say, now where are their gods? The rock they they took refuge in. There is no rock like our God. The word rock always represented the the Lord. And here we are talking about, we have this this conflict between between Hades and heaven, between the false God and the real God. And and you get to breathe this in and see it. You know, Bandias is a waterfall. The, The water comes out of Caesarea Philippi and heads down, and it feeds into the into the Sea of Galilee, but you get to experience this in a way that you just can't unless you physically walk there. So again, that's where Tom's at right now, and I'm sure his group is understanding that. Too, but to walk Capernaum, to to be in that area, to see Caesarea Philippi, is an amazing experience. Hey, you're listening to Coenia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Pastor Dave, filling in for Tom Brown today, and we'll be right back in just a few minutes. Welcome back to Cohen Neo on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I am Pastor Dave, filling in for Tom Brown. And today we're talking about Israel, the land, the Holy Land, because Tom is over there currently on a, on a tour leading a group over there. And I've been leading groups myself since 2005. In fact, we're heading back in March. So if you missed this one with Tom, let me encourage you to go to interpretingthetimes.com, interpretingthetimes.com. That's all one word. That is my website. We have a radio show. We have a show here on Saturdays at one thirty as well. But we will be spending Easter next March over in the Holy Land. So how cool would it be to spend Good Friday and Easter in the Holy Land? So I would love to have you go with me to Israel next March. As we're looking at it, was explaining the trip in the Holy Land, and we're kind of leaving 
the Galilee region, the, the northern part of, of Israel. You know, we do spend time in Nazareth before we leave, and there's a, a little place called Nazareth Village where you get to experience um, first century life. It's, it's designed from the synagogue to the threshing floor to everything the first century life was like. They they actually found an original wine press from in the city of Nazareth. So this this land was was purchased, and, and it's a Christian um, area where you, you get a tour guide through it. It's just a wonderful experience to see what first century life was like. And we will stop by Canaan. Not now, again, not every group does this, but I like to stop by Canaan with a site where you know, the first uh, miracle took place, changing water to wine with the wedding that you have in John chapter 2. And actually, I offer to do a wedding, uh, uh, to renew your wedding vows. So if couples go with me and they want to do a wedding vow renewal service there in the church in Canaan, where, the, again, the, the first miracle took place, we can do that. We'll take time and take, you know, about a half an hour and go through some vows and have a, a wedding renewal service. So again, those are the special things that you get to experience when you're over in Israel. And as we're making our way, as we leave the north, we head down to towards Jerusalem. It's about a two-hour drive, but there's places that we'll stop in between. Before we leave the north, we will have a baptism service. Now, just think about that. You might say, well, I've already been baptized. I don't need to be baptized again. I understand that. But you have the opportunity to be baptized or rebaptized, rededicated, whatever you want to call it, in the same waters that Jesus was baptized in. You know, now most of the people I've taken over there over the years, they, they you know, it's a it's a second baptism, it's a rebaptism, a rededication. Very few, a couple people it was their very first time they were baptized, but it's just to have that very quiet, intimate, personal time to be in the waters that Jesus was baptized in. It's one of the highest privileges I have as a pastor to help baptize people there and just have that memory and to know that you're in the very same waters that Jesus was baptized in. So we'll spend time there. I will take you to a place called Gideon Springs. Now, if you remember up in Chorazin, I asked you to take one of those black rocks and uh, to bring it home with you and place it on your computer or someplace that you see it and allow that black rock to remind you to repent. Well, Gideon Springs, this is where Gideon's army was cut down to 300. This is Judges chapter 7. Well, there's all kinds of white rocks over there. The, the, the spring has dried up quite a bit in 2,000 years, but there's still some, some area there. And we spend time there and we read from Judges and we, we do a little teaching there. But then I ask you to take one of the white rocks. And bring that home. Gideon's army was cut down to 300. They had to rely on God. This was a message of faith. So when you come home, you have this black rock on your on your desktop, and you have this white rock. One is to remind you to repent, and one is to remind you to have faith and to trust in the Lord. You know, you get that as we spend time in Gideon Springs. And there's a few other surprises, but we make our way down to Jerusalem. And again, to see people's eyes just light up as they come into Jerusalem, it's just a great thrill as a pastor to experience that. And, and, and you say, well, are they traditional spots? Or is this really where Jesus was? Well, Jerusalem is Jerusalem. It hasn't moved. It hasn't changed. So yeah, we, we have the history of Jerusalem. And, and we, plan, we plan a whole day and a half you know, going through different sites here. And you have to understand, when I take a group over to Israel— Every day kind of builds. The, the last day and the last thing we're going to do is, is have communion at the Garden Tomb, where Jesus raised from the dead. So everything is building up to that. And Jerusalem is one of those days where everything is kind of just emotionally, you're, you're just being tugged at because, my goodness, you're, you're in the, the city on a hill. You know, you're in Jerusalem. Uh, we will walk you through some of the gates and explains what the gates meant and what they were back then. And one of my one of my favorite things to do is is to go down the city of David and to walk through Hezekiah's tunnel. 
Again, you're talking about a tunnel. You're talking about water. This is the exact tunnel that Hezekiah had built that he they dug out, and just the miracle how they they started at one end and they went through this this rock and they they connected in the middle and to walk through Hezekiah's tunnel is just something that people don't forget. You know, to take you to the pools of of um, Beth, uh, John chapter five, the pools of Bethsaida. To where, where the blind man was there, and, and to read John chapter 5 while you're there, knowing that Jesus did a healing here, uh, it's just, again, to, to be up on Mount Zion. Mount Zion is where Caiaphas, the, the high priest, that's his residence. I, I will take you into the actual cell that Jesus was held in. Well, how do you know it's the actual cell, Pastor Dave? It was marked. It was, it was I don't want to use the word graffiti, graffiti, but it was marked. It was tagged. And and Caiaphas's house was never destroyed, so the, the foundation is still there and the area is still there. And basically it was a water storage tank, originally what it was. It wasn't a prison cell. It was where they stored water, a water supply. But that's what the, that was the dungeon they held Jesus in during that night while he was on trial before they crucified him. You know, to, to be in that, that little water storage tank. Again, you can read that there was a trial that night. You can read that, that Jesus stood before the Sanhedrin. You can read about what, you know, Peter being, you know, rejecting Jesus out in the courtyard of Caiaphas. But until you stand there, and then the, the steps coming down from the upper room region, these are the same steps of, from 2,000 years ago. Some things have been rebuilt, but these steps are still there. And I go, Jesus came out, you know, it was late at night, midnight, maybe 1 o'clock in the morning from the upper room, and, and the disciples were walking down. They were singing songs. They were heading towards the garden. And you're on these steps now. And I think, you know, this is the Passover time. What would it have felt like? You know, Jesus knew what was coming. The disciples didn't quite understand it yet, but Jesus knew it was coming. And it's Passover time, so there's tents everywhere because the city of Jerusalem just swells in population. Everybody's coming to celebrate the, the festival time. There's lambs everywhere. The scripture says that, you know, one lamb would be enough of 10 people. So there, there's about a quarter million, you know, lambs there because there's about two and a half million people in Jerusalem during this time, during the festival time, not normally. So what would that be like to have the sight and the smell of these of these animals? And here Jesus is, the ultimate sacrificial lamb, walking down towards the garden, was about to be betrayed and arrested. And here you are on the very same steps. They, they take him down these steps. It's the only way from Caiaphas' down to the temple area, and they bring him back up this way after the arrest. Again, you can read that, but until you walk it and you experience it, it just opens everything up for you. And then I'll take you to the city of David. You know, the, the history of the city of David. Um, you know, David was, uh, what happened in this area and, and, and how David took this city and they have a wonderful 3D movie that walk you through it. I'll show you where Jeremiah's pit was, where Jeremiah was thrown into this pit. Um, that's something that, unfortunately, a lot of tourists miss. Um, take you to the Mount of Olives. You're standing on top of the Mount of Olives. This is where Jesus did his teaching, the Olivet Discourse. This is where Jesus ascended back into heaven. This is where Jesus will return, we're told in Zechariah. That the Mount of Olives will be split in two. I will take you to the Mount of Olives. And again, the view is amazing. This is where every group takes a group picture, and you get that the, the Dome of the Rock in the background, the old city behind you. And uh, there's a lot of people up there, you know, trying to, to sell things. And it, it can get chaotic up there, but we have some quiet time. And we, I, I give you some quiet time. We read some scriptures. We know that the, the Lord's going to return here. We know that he taught here. And, and then we begin what I call is the Palm Sunday Walk. 
we will read about Zechariah 9.9 in the donkey, and I begin to walk you down from the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and, and to explain that, there was a little chapel halfway down, and it's it shaped like a teardrop because it said that Jesus wept. And, and as he sat on the Mount of Olives and he looked at Jerusalem and he said, I want to gather them like, like a, a hen would gather her chicks, and just how, how Jesus felt and, and what he went through. This was the area, you know, he stayed in Bethany when he was over there. This would be the area he would cross over constantly uh, to go from Jerusalem to Bethany. And, and I'll walk you down there, and we'll walk into the garden. Now, there's a, there's a church that's built there called the Church of the Nations. I like to take you into a private side. The church, as you come down the Palm Sunday path, the church is to your left. Well, if you get the right people, if you know where to look for the right people, and you give them, you know, $15, $20, they will open up a little private area in the garden. So that's what I do. I take my groups, and we, we go through the church. You see the church. You understand that. But then we have some private time in the garden. And it's just us, and you can spend time there praying where Jesus prayed. Uh, just understanding that, that, that this is where the betrayal happened. And I often ask the question, what hurt more, the, the kiss in the garden, the kiss of betrayal, or the nails on the cross? And to, again, to be able to be, have some solitude time, some quiet time after coming down the Palm Sunday path in the garden, you just can't explain it. This is something that you just need to experience, and it changes. I mean, I get the Holy Goosebumps just talking about it. You know, there's so much on a trip like this to understand that. As you walk through the, the temple area, as you walk the, the, the Via de Rosa, you, you, we get you to the, the church. The, the, there's a church that was built over where Antonio Fortress was. That's still connected to it. But I'll walk you down into the basement and show you, you know, where the game was, the, the, the soldiers played when they, when they were gambling for Jesus' clothes and so on and so forth. It's, it's ground into the rock. Uh, you, you see where the chariot wheels went through. You can kind of see the, the main area of, of where people with traffic was. You can see where Pilate was, was the one that said, I'm going to wash my hands of this. And then the, the crowd cried, crucify Jesus. And we will walk through that up to the Damascus Gate and then, and then into the Garden Tomb. You know, there's just so much to experience that, again, you need to experience this to understand it because the Bible just comes alive. You, you, can't, you can't replace what you understand when you stand on the Mount of Olives, when you look at the Kidron Valley, and you go back to the Old Testament, and you read about just the awful things, like when the Israelites were doing child sacrifice, and, and you talk about the valley and what they did there, and you talk about the, the Dung Gate and, and, and what happened over there, and just how Jesus spoke of this area. And you, when you see it, and, and you see where all three valleys, the Kidron Valley and the Guy Valley, and when it comes together, the Scripture's open up, both New and Old Testament. Again, it's an amazing time. So if you've not been to Israel, if you missed this trip with Tom, again, I will encourage you to go to my website, interpretingthetimes.com. Uh, come to Israel with me next March, March 19th to 29th. I'll be over there. Um, it's a wonderful experience that you have to have. Hey, you're listening to Koenia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Pastor Dave, filling in for Tom Brown today. We'll be right back in just a few moments.
Welcome back to Cohen Nee on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm Pastor Day filling in for Tom Brown, and today we're talking about the land of Israel because Tom's over there right now leading a group, and there's so much that I could, again, share with you about this trip, and, and I can't emphasize enough what it does to your, your spiritual growth to actually be in Israel. Uh, the hour went by very fast, but there's so much more to do when you're over there. You know, I, I'll take you to the Western Wall. In fact, I'll take you to the tunnels of the Western Wall. I'll take you to the only place on earth where you can stand where where Jesus walked, because it was the it was the sidewalk where the next to the Western Wall, and you can touch Mount Moriah. So, when in one space in, in, on the earth, you can be where Jesus and Abraham were. The only place that can happen. It's only one spot at the end of the Western Wall tunnels. We'll take you to Bethlehem, to, to know where this young shepherd boy named David wrote the 23rd Psalm, and he looked out and he saw the, the valleys and the shadow of death and so on and so forth, to see that view, to sit there in Bethlehem in the shepherd's fields, all that will be part of what an Israel trip is all about. So it's an amazing time. You know, the Scriptures tell us in, in Psalm 122.6 that we are to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Well, there won't be peace for Jerusalem until the Lord Jesus return. However, in Psalm 122, there's a blessing attached to that as well. For those who pray for the peace of Jerusalem, it says that their house will have, will have safety and peace. You know, we need to be praying for Jerusalem. We need to be praying for what's happening in the world, especially around Israel, because Israel is, is again, the apple of God's eye. And in the, in the future, that what's going to take place there is amazing. That's what you experience when you're there. So let me really encourage you to really look at getting a, a time and getting to Israel. Hey, thanks again for listening to Cohen Neal on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I've had a great time being with you today. Um, uh, pray for Tom Brown as he's over there and before he's heading home. And if you want to reach me or want to know more about my ministry, it's interpretingtimes.com. We're here Saturday at 1.30. So be sure to tune in on Monday through, th- uh, through Friday from 2 to 3 for Cohen Neal. We're done for today. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Thank you.